the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now, your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Hello, New York City. So, as this is Arthur Idala with uh, Joe Sibilia and um, Matthew Sambolino. Hello, everybody. As you just heard on um, John Katsimatidi's show, Daniel Penny, the uh, Marine, who was on the subway when apparently Jordan Neely showed up and jumped into a, a subway car on the F train in the middle of the day. And I believe the story that's going to come out is that he took off, uh, I think, his, his own jacket, Mr. Neely's own jacket, and threw it at one of the passengers, threw some garbage at other passengers. The passengers started to scatter, and he was screaming, something along the lines of, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. And he then said, I'm ready to spend the rest of my life in jail. So everyone could have done nothing and just walked in their own separate directions. And hopefully this guy would not have done what he did in the past, Mr. Neely, and punched strangers in the face, which he's done in the past on more than one occasion, or commit other crimes that led to his 40 times being, 40 plus times being arrested. Um, Instead, Daniel Penny uh, stepped up and was, in my opinion, a great citizen um, <clears throat> to a point. Yeah, and it's hard to even say that. <clears throat> Daniel Penny is a trained Marine, and he's not a guy who's like 55 years old who was a Marine 30 years ago. I don't know exactly when he was released from the Marines, but he's young himself. He's 30 years old. Um, I believe he's still active in some form or another. Um <clears throat> If Mr. Penny wanted to kill, intentionally kill uh, Mr. Neely, he probably could have done so in a matter of seconds based on his Marine training. But that's not what happened. He choked him, and he choked him, I think, using some sort of a military chokehold that I believe if you look at the video closely, he's trying, Neely is trying I'm sorry, Penny is trying to make sure that Neely's kind of his Adam's apple is in the crook of his own elbow so that it will not, will not cut off the oxygen, which obviously he needs for his brain. Um, 
the district attorney in Manhattan has authorized an arrest, and that arrest will take place tomorrow morning at the 5th Precinct, and um, he's going to be charged before an indictment just on a criminal court complaint with manslaughter, um, second-degree manslaughter. Now, I have said more times than I could count. I said it on Joe Piscopo's show. I said it on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. I said it on um, Rosetta Scotto's show. <clears throat> um, that I'm going to say it tomorrow morning on News Nation, tomorrow afternoon on Inside Edition, um, that that should be the, the, the top count that even any grand jury should consider. So <clears throat> if the district attorney in Manhattan felt obligated to convene a grand jury to look into this. I hope that the top count that he submits to the grand jury is the second degree manslaughter count. Just so you understand, I'll give you a little letter lesson in the law. Second degree manslaughter can be, uh, you can get sentenced to as low as I believe it's five years probation and as high as five to 15 what does 5 to 15 mean? That's an that's a indeterminate sentence, 5 to 15, which means there's a determinate sentence. So manslaughter in the first degree is a determinate sentence. A judge picks, so if you lose after trial, a judge picks any number between 5 and 25 on manslaughter in the first degree. So I hereby send you to 7 years, 7 1⁄2 years, 9 years, 12 years. And then you do about seven-eighths of that, but there's all kinds of programming where you could get a little earlier, etc. Um, an indeterminate sentence is what you face on manslaughter in the second degree, which those those apply to non-violent felonies. And man two is a non-violent felony. Man one is a violent felony. Um, so what does 5 to 15 mean? It means at around the four-year mark, four-and-a-half-year mark, you go before the parole board. And the parole board decides whether you get out at five. So you have to serve almost all of five. <clears throat> and then you go before the parole board. And if you get granted re release, then you're out. If not, you have to wait another two years. So now you're at seven. And you have to then go before the parole board again. And if for whatever reason the parole board doesn't let you out, now you're at nine. Um, in a weird way, manslaughter in the first degree is a violent crime man too is a non-violent crime sometimes you're better off accepting a higher plea to like manslaughter in the first degree and six years than manslaughter in the second degree and five to 15 because man too even though you're eligible for parole and can get out in five years if you blow parole you got to do seven if you take a man one with six years you're definitely getting out in five years and change definitely they can't keep you longer than that so these are the intricacies of plea bargaining this is why you know, it takes like 30 years to figure this stuff out. That's how long I've been doing this, both as a prosecutor and as a defense attorney. But um, a grand jury still has to be convened and still has to listen to the evidence and decide if these charges are warranted. So the Marine can come in and he could tell his story to the grand jury. That would be uh, Daniel Penny and he could tell his story in a compelling way and the grand jurors could say, hey, you know what? I ride the subway all the time. I've seen people intimidate me like this. I've seen people intimidate my, my children on the subway like this, my mother on the subway like this. 
I'm happy that Daniel Penny stepped in. I'm not happy that he killed anybody. But we don't feel that there was anything here. We don't feel that his actions were either so reckless, because that's what manslaughter, the second degree is, is that your actions are reckless. That his actions are so reckless or even so negligent, because they'll also charge down criminally negligent homicide, which is another case, another charge. It's the lowest form of a homicide charge where you could either get probation or I think it's one and a half to one and a third to five or something like that. One and a third to four. Um, so this is just the in- initial phase of the proceedings. The um, the defendant here, Daniel Penny, has got two great lawyers. Um, both of them I know well. One I know a lot better than the other. Tom Kniff, <clears throat> I know for probably 20 years, pretty close to that. Um, our paths cross often. I speak to him on a somewhat regular basis. He's a... Um, he was a member of the Colombian Lawyers Association. He's Italian. Uh, I don't know where Kniff comes from. But he's also, um, he was in the military, and he was in the Westchester DA's office. He's a real lawyer. He knows his stuff. Um, I'm glad that Daniel Penny is in those hands. Um, <clears throat> but this is, like, far from a fait au complete. There will be a grand jury presentation, and the big decision that Tom and Steve, the defense attorneys here, are going to have to make is do I do I put my guy in? Because what happens when you put a defendant into the grand jury is you're allowed to be there as the defense attorney, but you're not allowed to talk. You're only allowed to say, I'd like to step outside, and you can talk to the prosecutor outside and object to certain lines of their questioning, but you're really not allowed to help your client at all. You're really just there as an observer, and I cannot tell you how frustrating that is. So Daniel Penny's got to not be happy. But shouldn't be surprised. These professional protesters come on in, and they they put on all these protests. They're jumping on the tracks and stopping the rails, the trains. They're jumping in the street. They're stopping traffic. You know, those people should be should seriously be prosecuted. You know what? They'll, they'll stop stop screwing up everyone's life over here who have really nothing to do with this. Um, so here's why I'm kind of talking a little low. I'm in my office right now, and my office is connected to a conference room, and there's like a big conference going on in the conference room with a lot of people, and it's clearly it's clearly very serious. And I don't feel comfortable like telling the lawyers of my firm, yeah, you got to get out of the conference room because I got to do a radio show. But we got a great show ahead for you. Um, we're going to talk about congestion pricing um, here in the city of New York, and we are going to have a fantastic guest who knows this stuff inside and out, and. Um, what else? There was, oh, I got to talk to you about the pastor's breakfast today, which was unbelievable. Sam Bellino was there, and Sam Bolin was, I'm saying, uh, Sibelia was there. Really, really, it was, it was something like I've never experienced. Now, you before. were pretty energetic on stage. I'm gonna, yeah. I just Imran's in there, and 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 David Schwartz, and I know, I know it's a serious case. So I'm just trying to like be cool here, be cool. But uh, we'll pick it up. We, I mean, congestion, congestion pricing. For those of you who are in a car right now, it may affect all of you. I know it will definitely affect me. Let's find out what it really means with a top, top lawyer, someone who was a commissioner in this city regarding uh, the Taxi Limousine Commission, someone who knows this stuff inside and out. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Carol Platt-Lebow for townhall.com. 
It sounds like a joke, except that it's not funny. The Navy is now using an active-duty drag queen as its digital ambassador in an effort to attract recruits. But it's hard to understand the Navy's approach. Our new woke-armed forces don't seem to hold much appeal for those who have traditionally served. During the last fiscal year, the Army missed its recruiting goal by 25 percent, and all three branches project recruiting shortfalls this year. So the Navy's decision to double down on woke signals one of two things. Either leaders are so buried in the Beltway bubble they don't realize how unpopular the woke agenda is with regular Americans. Or there's an actual strategy to recruit only from one side of the political spectrum. Or perhaps both these things are true. Either way, it bespeaks a massive failure of leadership and signals a crisis in military readiness that is deeply worrisome. All right, let's talk about those great lawyers at Connors and Sullivan. You all know that you need to be prepared for the future, for something happening, something bad happening. Like maybe, God forbid, you or someone in your family gets really sick. You know, the cost of a nursing home could be $500 a day. That's right, $15,000 a month. Are you frightened about bankruptcy just to pay your medical bills? Well, you know what? You shouldn't be. Because the guys and girls, and you all say girls, the guys... And dolls. Yeah, that's better. The guys and dolls at Connors and Sullivan, <laughs> attorneys at law, they have been doing this stuff for 40 years. They've helped hundreds of people just like you. They'll tell you exactly what you're eligible for, and they'll also help you devise a plan to avoid such horrible financial news. So, you know, you hear me say this every day. Just take me up on it. Call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation with a lawyer. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. They have offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. It's never too late. The time to act is now. Call Connors and Sullivan today, 718-238-6500. And after you talk to one of their lawyers, you'll be so glad that you did. Listen to AM 970, The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. <laughs> Got his you know. Little animals here. Eric Burden is 82 today. 82. Wow. Wow. That's how old my mom is. All right, let's see. When you walk that and you talk that talk. Oh, yeah. Boom, boom. Is that what the sound of my easy pass is going to sound like if I drive into the city from Brooklyn, New York? The thing's going to blow up. I love it. So, a man who knows needs no introduction here in the city of New York. He he was in the Giuliani administration before that. He's been active in in local politics, state politics, national politics. Uh, he hung up his title as a commissioner of TLC to become a big shot lawyer uh, in charge of the transportation division um, of a huge law firm. But today, he's just my neighbor. He's just my neighbor who actually knows his stuff inside and out on this topic. As soon as I saw the breaking news that um, this congestion pricing thing got passed down in the, in, with the feds, I immediately called Joni or texted her. I said, get me Matthew Douse. Douse, sorry. <laughs> Matthew, you there, my man? 
Perfect. There's no one I wanted to talk to about this than you, and I, and I say that with all sincerity. I know that at Wendell's Marks, you guys have, you know this stuff inside and out. I know that you lead uh, that whole unit over there, and you for quite some time now. Uh, you're the transportation chair. You're the you're the man with all the brains when it comes to transit here in the city and the state, and probably in the nation. And I, I don't say that lightly. Um, so I need you to break it down. Talk to me like I'm a fifth grader. Um, you know where I live <laughs> very well. So if I want to, if, if I want to get in my car, uh, I, I think they're talking about next March or next April, but let's say a year from now, if I get in my car and I, um, I want to leave Bay Ridge and I want to drive to my office on 45th and 5th and park on the Hippodrome, tell me what that's going to look like in a year. Well, in, in about a year, there's a couple of things that we just found out. I mean, first of all, the, the Fed signed off on not doing an environmental impact study, which would take years to do. So they issued a FONSI. It has nothing to do with happy days or the bonds. It's called a finding of no significant uh, impact on the environment, which means that now in the next 30 days, they're going to release the document. A lot of people haven't seen it. Some members of the press have. And there's going to be a public hearing. And then they adopt that, Arthur, and then... It's set in stone and the MTA moves forward. So we could be seeing this happening next year. Um, what's interesting is that, you know, part of that process is that you have to show mitigation on the environment. Even even though there's not a study, they have to do things, uh, you know, to minimize impact. So a couple of things they did. Number one, they didn't commit to exempting taxis or Ubers and Lyfts, right? So there's different amounts of money that you pay depending on off-peak um, whether different hours, but one thing that they did do that will, I guess, help people is they committed to um, not charging people between certain hours. So, you know, between, I think, midnight and 6 a.m., um, all vehicles are not going to be tolled. They did also say, which was a big concession to Uber, Lyft, and taxi drivers, is that they're only going to be charged and passengers are only going to be charged once a day. Um, and also, wait, wait, hold on, Let's, wait, hold on one second. Back, back up, Matt. So, when you say passengers are only going to be charged, you, the, the Uber drivers are going to be charged once a day, or the passengers are going to be charged once. I mean, if an Uber guy goes from Brooklyn to Manhattan and then back to Brooklyn and back into Manhattan, you're saying that his license plate isn't going to get or Easy Pass or whatever isn't going to get hit more than once. Well, they're responsible for collecting it, and while they're not being charged, the passengers are paying. However, that impacts them, right, because that impacts ridership. If people stop taking cabs, they get screwed. So indirectly, they get impacted by this, and they, they could lose business as people decide to take mass transit or, or, or some other form of transportation. And, you know, remember, Arthur, this has been in place for years now. You know, we've been, you know passengers have been paying uh, for the last couple of years to a tune of a billion dollars when they get in a taxi or an Uber a charge. It's going to be more charges that they're adding on. And it could be anywhere. They haven't made the final numbers. It could be anywhere from nine to twenty-three dollars when when you look at the entire charge. So they haven't made that decision. They haven't decided who's going to be exempt just yet. But the feds and the MTA in this document, from what I understand, said that whatever the amount is, which we don't know yet, is it's only going to be charged once a day. It's not going to be charged, um, you know, um, for, for multiple times when you come into the zone. And I got you. So, in other is, words, if if I'm, I apologize. We're talking to Matt Douse. Mm -hmm. He is he is really an expert in the world of transportation um, here in in the United States of America. Um, so, Matthew, if so, if I have to 
go from Brooklyn and jump like like today. Okay, here's a perfect example. Today I had to go from Brooklyn to Manhattan, Manhattan to Queens, Queens back to Manhattan, and then Manhattan back to Brooklyn. I'm only going to get hit once, correct? Uh, in theory, yes. This is what we believe is the case. But, again, we haven't seen the document yet. The Shreve's blog got a copy of it. The public doesn't have it. We just double-checked every website. So the media has it, but we don't have it. So I'm going from what was reported in their article. And, and they also have a 25% discount on people that are making you know, less than 50000 a year, which I'm going to be curious how they implement that. Um, so this thing is moving forward. Um, and, and there's a lot of decisions that still need to be made. And there's also possibly a bunch of lawsuits that are going to come. You know, I think. Like, give me an example of the lawsuits. Well, you know, first of all, like these are pirate victories, or these are victories that like are temporary, right? So, if somebody brings the lawsuit, the lawsuit's going to be you have to do an environmental impact study because yes, there is a significant impact on the environment. Congressman Torres from the Bronx is concerned that congestion pricing is going to cause people to increase traffic north of the across Bronx Expressway. That's going to have an impact on the environment because people are going to avoid the city. So the same thing for Staten Island. You know, so so when you start telling people that they have to pay money to come in, it creates backups and more pollution in other areas of the city. Now, it's beyond me why they didn't just do the study and start it like two years ago. Um, but what's going to happen potentially is an environmental group or New Jersey, <laughs> maybe the governor of New Jersey, unless they cut a political deal or something, they're going to bring a lawsuit under a lot of different grounds, you know, the Commerce Clause, um, interfering with interstate commerce, but under environmental laws, you know, the lawsuit is going to be, after the FONSI is finalized by the MTA, that you should do an environmental impact study. And these cases are usually won in the courts by the environmentalists. And if they bring that lawsuit, what's going to happen is the MTA is going to be ordered by the court to do a complete environmental impact study, which on average could take anywhere from three to five years And this thing could be significantly delayed even more. So for the life of me, I don't know why they just didn't appease the people that are concerned and their supporters by doing it and starting a couple of years ago. They're going down an unprecedented path here. And, you know, the industry, you know, that transports passengers is in, in, in dire straits right now. They don't have drivers. We have a driver shortage in the taxi industry and with Uber, and they're even acknowledging in some of their documents that they're going to lose 50% of their business, you know? so, so this Because you, still, you're telling me they're going to lose that business because of these, these extra charges? Yeah, I mean, it could potentially be under the scenarios they propose that you pay up to $23, 19 to $23 to put yeah, your foot into a cab. That's that's, a, how many lattes is that? I mean, come no, on. No, no, that's a lot. I Let mean, me just make sure everyone understands. We're talking to Matthew Dallas. He's... Uh, He's the founder and the chair of the Transportation Practice Group at Wendell's Marks. He's a partner over there. He's a big shot. Makes a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> I don't know about that. He, he's a good guy, and he's he's very, very, very knowledgeable in this area. Um, Matt, what what is the overall purpose of the congestion pricing? Is it to? I mean, I know what they're saying. Oh, it's for the environment. But is it just? Is it just like a different kind of tax? And they're going to take that money and put it into the MTA? Well, th- this is this is the whole paradox behind everything here. It's supposed to be helping the environment. It's not even about that anymore. They're just talking about it fixing the budgetary woes of the MTA. They got all this money from the COVID relief, and ridership is down because the subways are not safe. And they're still not safe. We saw what's been happening down there. So ridership is not back to where it is. It's about 70% of what it was. 
They have all the COVID money is running out in a couple of years, so they need to fill the gaps. They just raised with the budget deal with the governor, the payroll tax, the city's ponying up more money. But this is we're on a path to, um, you know, fiscal uncertainty with the MTA. So this is all about the revenue. This is not about the environment at all. Congestion pricing is not going to help the environment. And it's not about that. It just really isn't. And, and in fact, the irony of all this is that they refuse to do an environmental impact study. Think about how crazy it is. We want congestion pricing to help the environment, but we refuse to analyze the impacts on the environment. It's absolutely nuts. It's all about the money. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a lot of negative impacts on a lot of people. I published a report at my university. Um, after I was taxi commissioner, I went to you know City University of New York. I've been teaching and studying there. We issued a report talking about how the average person who makes less than 50000 in certain parts of, of the city, like Mass Path, Queens, or certain underserved areas, these people cannot afford to come into the Manhattan to go to the doctor for a cancer treatment or something. You know, this is going to hurt people. And I think they listened because after I sent my report out, they actually put a 25% discount for people making less than 50 grand. But that's not enough. I mean, they need to do things that are smart. Like, if you're going to carpool, Arthur, and, and, and come from Bay, we'll come in for Bay Ridge together, we'll jump in a car, why, why should I have to pay? You know, we're trying to help. It's all about helping the environment, right, and having less cars in the city. That's the type of thing we need to be doing, exempting electric vehicles. This is not about the environment anymore. This is all about the money. And people in, in, in transportation deserts are not being served. You know, in Coney Island, in Staten Island, for crying out loud, there's not a single yellow cab in Staten Island. It's hard to get around in, in the suburban areas of the city. And people are poor, and they have to sometimes take an Uber and pay 15 bucks to get to the train station to go a couple of miles. Why? There's enough money in congestion pricing that's already been raised year after year through Uber and Lyft to solve these problems for the poor communities in the city. There could be a, la a first and last mile subsidized service when you get out of the train in Sheepshead Bay or the Rockaways that could take you home for free. This can be paid for out of the money that passengers have been dumping into the system. But what they're really looking to do is to just stabilize the system and, and, and spend more money on capital construction and rail and subway. But this is an ecosystem. You know, th th most transit agencies around the country, not the big ones, but a lot of them, realize that it's not just buses and trains. There are shuttles, there are vans, there are Ubers, there are scooters, they can, uh, there are bikes. You can all link these things to public transit and pay for them. And for crying out loud, the disabled community, while they, they might be exempt from congestion pricing, Arthur, you know, excessive ride is an absolute disaster still. An hour and a half, my buddy, an hour and a half, my buddy had to wait yesterday. An hour and a half. For, in, in, in Manhattan for an assessor ride, an hour and a half. I did some back-of-the-envelope math on this, author. So, like, if you, if you pay, take maybe half of what the taxis and the Uber passengers pay, you can solve, in one year, like 300, 350 million, you can solve the accessor ride problem. Nobody wants to do it because the agencies don't talk. TLC has enough wheelchair vehicles out there as taxi cabs, thousands of them. You can put them on one app, and every disabled individual who qualifies and meets the criteria should be able to Uber a wheelchair vehicle on demand. It can be done. It will cost about $300 million a year. They're bringing in close to $600 million a year. Why aren't we spending money on, on people like that that really have been discriminated against? 
um, and wronged after all these years. In fact, what we're just doing is throwing more money at old problems and doing things the old way. The MTA needs to think outside the box and do what other cities are doing around the country, Pinellas County, Florida. There's all these smaller transit agencies that are experimenting with with first and last mile initiatives and things that are not just building more rail, building more um, Second Avenue subways and, and, and putting buses on the on the lines that aren't being used. And Accessoride is, a, is, is not working because you have vans that they're using where you can put four people in it. But the data shows that you never get, you rarely get more on average than 1.5 persons in those cars. So you're, you're squandering money. It costs 60 bucks or more for a, a trip in one of those vans when if you use a taxi or an Uber, it's about 15 to 20. It's like one, it's like two thirds less. And, you know, we put a program in place that experimented with that, but they haven't made it permanent. The MCA refuses to make the e-hail program permanent where uh, accessory users can just hail a, a vehicle when they want to. Uh, they, they, they haven't done enough in that, and they just uh, need to fix the accessory program. Matthew, I'm up against the break. I, you were fantastic. I learned so much. I, I want you to come back again and talk about the state of the union of, of, of yellow cabs versus the the, hell, the app cabs. But mm-hmm. I will see you at the Iridium on June 22nd where Rapid Pulse yeah. will be performing. And maybe you bring your guitar and you jump on stage and jam with us. I will. I'd be happy to. You, you're the man. You are very talented, brother. And we're both power lawyers now, so I'm very happy. All right, neighbor. I'll talk to you real soon. The power hour. There you go. Thank you, Matthew Dallas. I appreciate it. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. I got to tell you about this pastor's breakfast from this morning, and let's talk a little bit about law when we get back. We'll be right there. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, it's Legal Night on Radio Night Live, and that means Imran Ansari and myself will be with you to break down the biggest legal stories of the day. Don't miss it tonight at 7. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8 on AM 970. The answer. Increase your investment knowledge in a unique way this year. Join us on the 2023 Eagle Financial Publications Cruise, along with The Money Show. Visit EagleFinancialCruise.com for details and to secure your cabin. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. Hello, this is Arthur Idala talking about my friends at Plaza College. Wait, Diana, don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you about this next case. John Esposito's here. Diana's here. Imran's here. David Schwartz is here. I'm surrounded by lawyers. Everyone, obviously, is talking about this case that just broke. So we, about you know, the strangulation and on the subway. But, you know, eventually, like... Friday, tomorrow, that case is going to be arraigned, and there's going to be so much tension in that courtroom, and there's going to be all the media, and it's going to be all this hype, and you know who's going to be right in the middle of it, in between the judge and the lawyers and the litigants? The court reporter. Yep, the court reporter. You could be that court reporter, and our family, friends at Plaza College can put you in the driver's seat. Because the National Court Reporting Agency has partnered up with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives you a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing 
info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. Info at plazacollege.edu. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. The tires screech, the impact is felt. Boom, you've just been in a car accident. It's a scary situation that none of us want to experience. But if you have been injured in a car accident, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. It's important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. So if you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Bertuna and Kamen at 212-486-0011. That's 212-486-0011. Or visit us on the web at idalalaw.com. Idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Kamen's fighting for justice, fighting for you. So uh, I felt bad because I, I didn't spend a lot of time with Ray yesterday when we did a live remote from Bobby Vans on 46th and Park. But uh, those guys have definitely uh, changed the way I live my life because I'm kind of with uh, Ray and Jason all the time from Hemp Leaf because I wake up with them and I go in the shower and I'm using their black soap. I put it on a loofah and shine myself up real cool. Then I get out and I use one of, I either go with the whip butter or the regular butter. It's just like regular, like breakstone. They have like, you know, like the stick butter and then they have the whip butter. Like one's a little more fluffy than the other. And um, I was telling Ray real quick on the show yesterday that I, I'm, do, I'm, a, I'm a twice a day kind of guy. And I'm always, like time is my biggest commodity. So now I'm actually brushing my teeth with one hand with the electric toothbrush and I'm Putting, I'm rubbing the, the shea butter all over my head and my neck and the back of my neck. And especially yesterday when I shaved my whole head, I waxed the whole thing up. And it is, it's, it's great. It's all natural. It's made in Long Island. They're vegan-friendly products. They're cruelty-free products. And, um, you know, it, it works. Um, for your muscle aches, they have the Icy Pot. You put that on your shoulders, your knees, your hips, wherever you would put like a, like a product like a Bengay kind of product. That's where you put that. And then for the women, there's the Helixer, which is just a, it's a cream that you put on your heels after you're wearing those big high heels. And it just heals you up, the Helixer. You should just go on their website and check out all of their products because they're really, really cool. And they're beautiful. They, they, the packaging is exceptional. Go to www.hempleaf.com. www.hempleaf.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout and receive 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We return now with lifetime New Yorker and legal analyst, attorney Arthur Idala and the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Little Steve Miliband? Yeah, why not, right? I like it. So let me tell you about today i mean is sibelia still there yes, yeah hi arthur how are you, you i'm, you I'm s- kind of whispering because dottie's in the next room and i don't want to i don't want to interrupt oh, any- you're making fun of me <laughs> you son of a gun 
Oh, well, Tati is actually into that. True. <laughs> yeah, but, but you guys know, you know, Imran, Imran Ansari could be a little sensitive, and like if you know, he's in there with a client. You know, no, I, I get could, that. I totally. I understand. could see there's like serious stuff going on. This is like I'm, the first listen, time that's happened. I'm sure the egos are growing there because a lot of people are turning into radio stars in your firm. <laughs> yeah. You know what's interesting though, Sam Bellino, Sibilia, <laughs> he. He shuns me from going on with Piscopo for like all oh, this God. time, right? Oh God! So then, after I embarrass him yesterday, he uh, for shunning me, he goes, "Why don't you come on tomorrow at eight oh five? Do you know who was on our rival station at eight oh five yesterday? <laughs> I, I do. That was us. <laughs> so he now, tells me to come on Piscopo at eight oh five when Donald Trump is on. I shouldn't say our rival, but our sister station, our sister almost. Station, yeah. Yeah, seven, not so, not five seventy seven seven. Now, in fairness, originally I had heard that he was going to be on yesterday at eight oh five. So he I wasn't aware that he was doing eight oh five when I'd asked you to do it. So even when I tried to make uh, make up for my uh, faux pas, I still screwed There's things. No up. faux pas. Uh, that, no, listen, Arthur. You know I love you, and uh, and if you couldn't tell from my speech yesterday, I, uh, I I'm I'm very fond of you. So after we had a, a beautiful show yesterday, I really enjoyed our show yesterday. It was live from Bobby Van Steakhouse. Uh, Jerry Crowley treated us all, and when I say all, like my, usually my whole law firm and Joyce and Sambolino and Sibilia and Cody and Joni to a beautiful, beautiful dinner there. And uh, Jerry Crowley started off by saying, someone tell an embarrassing Arthur Idala story, and John Esposito <laughs> did not hesitate to step in. Um, and uh, and then, I don't know, so we all made some toasts. It was great. It was really a really special night. I, I won't forget that anytime soon. And yes, Joseph Sibelia did stand up and, and make some very kind remarks about me. And then they're like, okay, we'll see you in the morning. We're going to go to this pastor's breakfast. Now, you know, you hear, oh, there's going to be a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of people. I've heard that before, right? And doesn't not, not necessarily with 970 in all kinds of forms. Oh, Arthur, please come by. There's going to be all these people there. Well, I pull up to this place. What was the name of it? Anton's? Anton's. Yeah. Queens Village. Right. In Queens Village. Now, from a block away, I could see there's a line of people out the door to get in. I'm like, oh, boy. Now, now what and time then, was this at? I'm sorry. I'm just curious. Five to nine. Ten okay, to nine, so pretty nine. early. Okay. And then there's a, there are police officers outside, and they're guiding me where to go. I said, well, I'm part of the program. Okay, park over here. So I park, and I go in, and there's just there's like two or three floors of humans um, there's people everywhere, and there's food, and there's coffee, and there's a green room. San Bellino's there, all suited up. Um, and then on the second floor, where there was like all these exhibition stands, there's God bless Joni with the Idala Bertuna and Cameron stand, and she's got legal pads she's handing out, she's got pens she's handing out, brochures about our firm, and there were a lot of people there, a lot, a lot of people there. Um, I don't know. I would say seven hundred. 800? I mean, there were a lot of people there. San Bellino, what do you think? Uh, we had actually an excess of 500 people there. Okay, so 600. All right. <laughs> I'll give you 600. But it, it was, there were a lot of people there. I mean, that's, that's still a lot of people. It's definitely our sister station's marquee event, the yeah. Pastor's Appreciation event. And um, the vast majority of people there were black people. And obviously, they're all pastors, and they're, they're not all pastors, but there are many pastors. And it was, I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, they started off with basically this gospel group singing. And, uh, you know, it's not like the way we sing at St. Anselm's in Bay Ridge, you know, like, Oh, we are you are here, where we go, where is that? No, it was not like that at all. It was 
I mean, I was burning calories. I was dancing so much. <laughs> I mean, it was hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I mean, it was a blast. We were having so much fun. I mean, literally up and down and dancing and clapping. I mean, like they're, they're, the, the performers are sweating. There's all these young people there playing uh, the keyboards, the bass guitar, the drums. Um, Jerry Crowley spoke. Uh, Kevin McCullough did a great job as half the kind of half emceeing it and half speaking. Um, and uh, you know, it was really all about love and religion and tying both of those things together. And um, so Jerry Crowley tells me, he goes, "I'm going to come up there. I'm going to introduce you." And then Laura, who's Jerry's assistant. She, we were running a little behind on the program, and she was definitely stressing out about that. <laughs> so she says yeah. to me, yeah, "You go up there. She goes, just speak for like two minutes, guys. You were both there. I have no idea how long do you think I spoke. You Probably were... closer to five, I'd say. No, at least eight, nine minutes. And you were you were fired up. Uh, oh, but you were so funny, Arthur. It was <laughs> like the the Don Rickles of uh, you, you know <laughs> of Pastors Appreciations events, but in a respectful way. It was just so." Great, and you, you were emotional, you were funny, uh, and it was a very thoughtful speech, actually, I thought. It was really yeah, nice. Yeah, the, the thing, I'm glad it came off as thoughtful, because it really wasn't that, it wasn't that much thought put into it. I knew I had to speak. I knew I had to hold the audience of 500-plus people. I thought it was closer to 800, but whatever you say. Um, and uh, I basically got up there, and I started talking about uh, how beautiful the music was and then i picked out one of the very handsome pastors and remarked about his 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 good looks and then i had a a woman stand up who was just i mean she was just dressed beautifully from head to toe i mean from her big sunglasses to her beautiful dress to her wonderful shoes and i I told the story of of a young client i had who um i said you know you have court tomorrow they said how do i dress they said uh I said, you know, dress like you go to church. And they said, well, I don't go to church. And I said, well, that's your first problem. I Very said, maybe, you went, maybe if you went to church, you wouldn't be sitting on the other side yeah, of my desk you, facing criminal You got a charge. couple of amens from the crowd yes, on you that did. remark. And oh, also yeah. when you talked about at the end, you closed with uh, Mayor Adams. And you were talking about how he was sort of browbeaten by the press for praying and uh, asking God for advice on major decisions that he's going to make. And you were very passionate about that, impassioned uh, making that point, and uh, the crowd really responded to that. That was that yeah. was a great closure. And then, and then I said, "There's too many young." And then uh, basically, my p- my point was, and I said this: I said there are too many young black men in the courthouse as defendants. And I said, "I have the easiest way to clear out the courts. If you want to clear out the courts, fill up the churches." Because, and I, I, I mean this with all sincerity, the young people who are part of the church, the young people who are part of those traditions, the nostalgia of it all, the, 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 the essence of helping others. And I, I got news for you. I didn't say this on the stage. I don't care if it's a church, a synagogue, a mosque. I don't care if it's a cardboard box. But if, it's, if there is uh, a following in, in the path of, of role models before you, and believing that you know we're not the be all end all, you, you, you're more likely to be on the straight and narrow than to be cutting up and going out there and selling drugs and stealing cars and things like that. It was, I really enjoyed it, guys. I hope you did as well. I'd never been there oh, before. Oh, it was great. I, it was, fantastic. and I had never been either. This is my third year in my second term at Salem Media Group. And I never attended this event. And when I walked in, I walked in in the middle of the worship, and I said, "This was not what I was expecting at all." But I love it. it was, yeah, no, it, it was, was so fun. It was real. It was really great. 
So, yeah, there we go. They have, this is what we were listening to today. I stood up there, I took the microphone, I go, I want to let you guys know something. I'm a virgin. And I got a couple amens to that. And I said to the pastoral breakfast, and then he started laughing. But it was, I hope, I hope Joan recorded that because uh, I, 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 or at least parts of it, because I enjoyed it very well. I know Jerry Crowley liked it. Frank Volpe wrote me a beautiful note. He was like, you were really, really fantastic. Everyone really enjoyed you. You were very inspirational. It was off the cuff, but it was from the heart. And sometimes that's the best way to be. Um, I'm going to try to grab one of these lawyers to come to the microphone, one of these former prosecutors who worked with me, and let's talk about uh, the ramifications and the implications of uh, this whole subway strangulation. And now we know that uh, the Marine is going to be charged with uh, Man 2, uh, at least initially. So uh, don't go anywhere. I wanna, I'm want i literally going to put one, maybe two. I'm going to see if John Esposito and Diana Fabio join me. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is John Leventhal. I am a partner in the law firm of Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins. I have been a lawyer for 43 years, including 13 years as a trial judge and 13 years as an appellate judge. I have presided over almost every kind of civil and criminal case, and I have seen litigants facing almost every legal problem you can imagine. What is the most important thing for a litigant to do? It is to obtain the right lawyer, someone with the ability to navigate you through the court system and achieve the best possible outcome. At Idala Bertuna and Kamins, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idala Bertuna and Kamins earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idala Bertuna and Kamins law firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve. Wow, listen to Judge Leventhal. I wish he was here to jump on the microphone. Let's talk about this October, October 18th to 28th. Let's talk about going to Italy, to Rome, and to Sicily. Yes, Rome. We love Rome. We love, love, love Rome. And to Sicily. And boy, do I love Sicily. That's where all my blood is from. All the blood coursing through my veins comes from Sicily. Now, Perillo Tours is starting their 78th year in business, and they've started off, as we, as we know, with Italy. Now they go to Hawaii, Spain, and Greece as well. But this special tour for the AM970 family features our friend, the great morning show host, Joe Piscopo. Three nights in Rome, plenty of time to see all the important sites, and then one private dinner with Joe Piscopo performing. Then you're going to go to Sicily, you're going to go to Taramina, you're going to go to Savoca, Forza di Agro, uh, you're going to go to Mount Etna, which is unbelievable to see and be close to. You have a wine tasting there. Then on to Palermo for three additional nights before flying home. I want you to go on the website, Perillo, P-E-R-I-L-L-O, tours.com. Perillo, P-E-R-I-L-L-O, tours.com, or call 1-800-431-1515. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer.
this case as well. Any particular reason why we're playing this? Oh, today in 1981, Bob Marley died at age 36. Wow, that's horrible. Marley had the 1981 single, No Woman, No Cry. In 1990, February 6th was proclaimed a national holiday in Jamaica to commemorate his birthday. Love Bob Marley and the Wild. Time Magazine chose Bob Marley and the Whalers. Exodus is the greatest album of the 20th century. Wow. That's a big powerful up. statement. All right. So we got about four minutes left in the show. I just dragged Diana in here. Diana knows. Uh, what do we call this segment now? Uh, Fobby's Rants. Fobby's Rants. I have no ranting to give you. Today. Okay. Well, get closer to the microphone. Okay. That, just to be clear, so you have a little bit of background. Diana, besides being a partner at a dollar per tuner in Camus, she worked at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for almost a decade where she tried cases and but wrote a lot of appeals. So she really knows the law very well because when you write appeal, what, you didn't write appeals? Did you, wait, why are you saying no? Did I did I misstate that? Talk. I I know I know some law. I yeah. know law, but I I mean this is this presents some interesting legal issues. Okay, in this case. go ahead, bring it up. You know, it's it's obviously it is um, it it may have caused him to breathe a sigh of relief. It's um it's probably you know the best outcome short of and you know the grand jury rejecting the case entirely. Well, so that they're he just arresting. Gotten. Well, he hasn't been indicted. He's, oh, he has No, been. this okay. is just an arrest. Oh, okay. All right. So I think I want to get closer to the microphone. Here's okay. What, here's what I know. So they're I, arresting I him. Read. He's surrendering him. On uh, they're surrendering him. Tom and Steve, my friends, who just referred to some work actually recently, they're uh, surrendering him on man two, and then there'll be a grand jury presentation. So there is no grand jury oh, presentation. Okay. This is okay. just the initial arrest charge. Okay. So man two. So do means, they have probable cause for this? Well, why don't you tell? I, tell I definitely your think they, I think based on the video, they have probable cause that he may have acted recklessly. In what the, what I'm reading now is after he stopped moving, the deceased stopped moving. He held on to him for another almost minute, fifty seconds. So is that reckless? Is that negligent? They'll probably charge out the grand jury with manslaughter in the second degree, which is you acted recklessly and caused someone's death, and probably criminally negligent homicide, which is you were so negligent that it rises to a level of criminality. What says Diana Fabi Sampson? I say he could interpose a defense of self-defense or defense of another, correct? I, well, I mean, the behavior of um, the... The deceased was erratic and sustained aggression, right? Uh, threats. And um, so I think just because he stopped moving, um, I think the, the this defendant now could argue that he was still concerned that he needed to keep him um, controlled so that he wouldn't you know, hurt anyone. So just educate the listeners because a lot of listeners say, oh, but he, this, this deceased had 40, nearly had 40 arrests and he had punched someone in the face. And how does that play into the, a defense by the defendant? I mean, if I were the prosecutors, I would argue that it shouldn't really play into it at all because it has to do with what the defendant reasonably understood the threat to be at the time. And the defendant at the time did not know about this past Right. You know, so, record of this, of thank this you. person. Thank you for educating all, educating our listeners because, yes, in other words, we all know that now, but that would only play a role in whether in the grand jury or in an actual trial if the defendant knew about it at the time of the attack, at the time of the assault, correct? Correct. So he's going to go in there if the defendant decides to testify, which 
I would lean heavily into the fact that I think he should testify. And he should just describe the scene and what he did and what he was trained to do. And and then I would probably apologize to the grand jurors. What do you think, Diana? I think that's a great idea. And as we know, Arthur, you have had some success putting your clients into the grand jury in, in an appropriate case. And getting things blown out. Yeah. That's what it's called. Absolutely. Grand jury blowout. Um, and maybe this is just such a case. Are you annoyed that they're arresting this guy? I think it's sad that it even had to happen, and I don't blame this guy at all. I think he was someone who tried to step up and do something for himself and his community because the city is failing. Do you think well, it'll have a chilling effect on other good Samaritans? I mean, it could. It absolutely could. But honestly, I mean, people people obviously should be good Samaritans, but the city needs to recognize that it's not acceptable to peop- for people to ride the subways in fear. And people should not have to be harassed on the subway or put in fear. It's just unacceptable. I, I, I don't understand why it's being allowed. Okay. Well, I think we're trying for it not to be allowed. I think it's a wrap on the Idola Power Hour tonight, Diana. Don't don't leave. Just stay here. I have to talk to you about all your cases. Look at that whole sheet in front of you. Those are all the criminal cases in We've the office. We got a lot of them. We got a lot of work going on. We do. I hope you enjoyed this Thursday night evening. Matthew Douse, who is a he was the TLC commissioner. Uh, he really educated me, at least on congestion pricing. I'm sure Diana's got a few things to say on that. Diana, are you willing to do like a weekly segment, Fabi's rants? What do you think? <laughs> if I'm if I'm feeling it, yes. All right. Well, we'll give you uh, Sam Bellino will give you. I give her a libation first. Oh right, that's we'll do the libation on uh, on tomorrow. All right, we'll be live and local tomorrow. So uh, make sure you tune into the Idola Power. Have a great Thursday night, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.